Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of my podcast, Is Breakfast Included? Now today on the show, I sit down with my good friend Toby Lahan, lead singer and co-founder of the band Marquis of Vaudeville. Now these guys have been around since 2009, they put on amazing shows, they make amazing music. It's kind of more of a production than a band, and we discussed that in the interview. Toby's also going to tell us a story about learning to play guitar, joining his first band, and three shows in, doing a major label showcase for Geffen Records. He'll tell us all about that, as well as everything else going on with the band. Let's check it out. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, okay, man. Um, tell everyone who you are. Who am I? Uh... My name is Toby Lahan. I am uh, the I'm a, the founding member, lead singer, and leader of the band Marquis of Vaudeville. Uh, have you always been a musician all your life? Um, I always I, I always sang to myself in school, and everyone. <laughs> uh, somebody told me years later uh, they they were like, I always thought you were talking to yourself. Like I thought you were weird because I thought you were talking to yourself, and then I realized you're always singing. And so uh, I didn't start playing guitar until um, I was about probably 19, Uh, so around 18, 19, somewhere in there. Um, And um, the reason I started playing is because I I just love music so much, and I was uh, I was always artistically inclined. And um, my my cousin was actually uh, the reason I started playing music. That's Brent Thompson, okay. Officer Brent Thompson, yeah. who um, who passed away, of course, in the yeah. the, the attack in 2017. I think yeah. it was in downtown Dallas. Um, Brent had a he 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 was the one who always had a guitar, and uh, uh, I remember going over there and uh, and just playing around on his guitar, uh, and then and, and of course uh, Brian. Uh, uh, Getty, who I grew up with and was also a founding member of this band, um, he he started playing uh, fairly young and and uh, but I didn't have an instrument. Like yeah. um, my 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 father uh, played in bands when he was when he was younger, when he was a teenager. But he he didn't really um, he kind of knew some chords. Yeah. He was a singer. He didn't. Really I was going to ask, guitar. did yeah. anyone else in your family play or? Yeah, not not before. I mean, my and my older brother kind of played around. He had a guitar for a short time, but like it, it you know, maybe several months, and and he didn't really play yeah. very much. But um, so yeah, there there wasn't a lot of music around my family, uh, my immediate family. Um, I think my dad's bands. If I he he. If I can remember, and he'll he'll correct me later if I'm wrong, but I think they were called. One was kind of like a like a heavy metal, which around that time was Hendrix, you know. Yeah, it was called, yeah, yeah. and it was kind of it's kind of psychedelic heavy metal called uh, Paleocristic Bananas or something like that. <laughs> and then I think um, he was in like a I Beatles it, type. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he was in a Beatles type band called uh, Question Mark Incorporated. I think they were. Which, These are great names. Yeah, yeah, these are great names. names. Yeah, so. Uh, so he was definitely, I don't know if he was involved in naming the bands, but if he was, he was definitely a good uh, <laughs> namer of bands. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, but my, you know, my entire life, I, you know, he didn't play, he didn't yeah. really sing. And it wasn't until later that he, he got involved in my, my whole family got involved in music. Yeah, you playing. could, a lot. It a was lot, after me. Yeah, I'm very familiar with your family. And yeah. a lot of people in your family are musicians, your cousin. Or your niece, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, in London. Um, 
how long after you started playing guitar did you start writing your own material, or did you kind of just play cover songs? Or well, what I did at first is I um, I kind of played around. Like I said, Brent Brent had this guitar, this acoustic guitar, and he uh, he basically uh, we would play around on it. And man, this thing it was a no name brand. It had the worst action, and I literally at first I had to use my my right hand to push my fingers into place and make them because it was so the, the, the strings they had on there were yeah. so heavy and the action was so terrible. So that's what I learned on. So after I moved to something that was, you know, I think I like, we all passed that guitar around in Corsican. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one guitar. Yeah. So, uh, what's funny is, uh, the, uh, you know, when you move on to something else, then you're like, wow, this is super easy. So yeah, it was, Brent and I would kind of play around. He let me borrow that guitar and he was just like, yeah, just, I think he had, he had another one and he, he was just like, yeah, go ahead and take it. And I, and that's what I started playing on. Okay. Brent, Brent basically gave me my first guitar. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, you know, Brent was, he's my cousin and I, I grew up with him. I, I loved him dearly. And so, um, we, you know, um, he and I shared that, shared the love of music. So, so, I would just learn what I could, like uh, anything, man, anything rock, you know, yeah. I, I would play it. And uh, and then I think I started noodling around on uh, on that guitar and coming up with my own stuff. But I, I just always never really, I you know, you come up with parts, you come up with, and do you ever really develop a song early on? Maybe, mm. but uh, I, a lot of stuff that, I just thought was throwaway and mm. I just didn't think I was ready for like a full song. I think I, I, I wrote my first full song, um, around the time that I was actually, uh, playing with star as Agora, which was mm. with, uh, Derek Taylor and Brian. Was that Getty. your first band? It was my first band. Um, and, um, well, I mean, if you, uh, double lot spool but we never played a show yeah yeah so i was i was uh, uh you know i was basically derek asked me if i wanted to play play guitar with him and uh i was like yeah man of course i do and so um you know i i was i'd been playing maybe a few years at that point and i said if you you feel that i can do it and he just said you know i you know i see you playing you've been we we go and we sit down in the park and play and whatever and I, he's like I can tell you have the ability and so he's like I think you know uh, I'll I'll just guide you along uh, you know I was green I didn't yeah I didn't know what I was doing so um, it's funny because uh, Derek there's been a handful of people that have been in his presence throughout life and they've all gone on to become amazing musicians yourself included thank you man thank you, know? you. Yeah, the thing about myself excluded. <laughs> I, I I highly doubt that. I bet I bet you're you're being modest, aren't you? Uh, yeah, Derek. Um, the one thing that Derek was pretty much, I mean, a mentor as mm-hmm. far as um, how to how to make things happen with music and how to you know even how to write and and that sort of thing. And I think the um, the the Derek's brilliance, I think his genius is with discipline. Yeah. Because, um, you know, he wants to figure something out. He wants to learn how to do it. He does it. 
He just he do, he just studies and yeah. he does it. I mean, guitar. Um, there, you know, at one point he worked with me at uh, Midway Home Entertainment uh, in the gaming industry, and he didn't know, you know, anything about coding or, or you know, gaming on computers or anything. And he uh, he basically studied and learned it all, and then you know, then he and I were like writing, uh, we were creating our own games at that point. Like yeah. I was doing like graphic design and this little, you know, uh, like like super simplistic games, but, uh, now he's, you know, now he's making a game by himself. Um, you know, it just, it's his discipline that I think he, he, uh, when he sets his mind to something, he really focuses on it and he, and he works really hard yeah. and, uh, you know, sometimes at the detriment to other things, but I mean, but that's, you know, that's, that's generally what happens with brilliance or genius. You yeah. Know, yeah. So. I feel very fortunate to have, been part of his circle for all these years and even though we go sometimes a while without talking when once we get together it's it's just all there but i i anybody i talk to and his name comes up i always say like dude that was the first time i was in the presence of greatness and i knew it when i was 17 yeah you know yeah you yeah, just, he is. You, he's, just, you just saw it his discipline his genius and and people would tell him like uh the, you're gifted, and then he would say, "I'm not gifted. I just practice. I put the work in. Worked really hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and um, and I think that was, you know, uh, you and I were were talking a little bit before. And I, I think that's that was probably that was probably one of the things that when when he and I started hanging out that um, that. I, I never bothered him about guitar. Everyone yeah. was always wanting him to play for him, and you know, and wanting to talk about guitar and yeah. wa- wanting something from him. I didn't want anything from him. I was just, you know, just yeah. being his friend. And so, um, I think that's maybe you know one of the things that he that kind of drew us together is yeah. that he he was like, well, that guy clearly he's just you know, I like him. He just, he's not, he doesn't want anything from me. Yeah, he doesn't exactly. want me to, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, a performing monkey for yeah, him, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so, so you guys start, started Star as Agora yourself, Derek and Brian Getty. It, well, it was Ray Riandu from Machines of Love and Grace that right. we started Star as Agora with actually. Um, and then we brought Brian in later. Um, so, what happened was Derek asked me to play in the, in the band double at spool. You know, I used to go watch double at spool yeah. when, when Brian and Derek played in the band. I would, and, uh, and I think you had uh Casey on, I would go see do and, you know, a lot of local yeah, bands. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Casey Hess. Yeah. Casey Hess. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, I, what, what ended up happening is Derek asked me to play in double at spool. We started rehearsing, um, getting ready to play our first show. And right around the time that uh, that we were going to, and and if uh, my apologies, Derek, if I get any of this wrong, but uh, um, I I tend to forget dates and things like that. But uh, so what ended up happening was uh, right we were about to play our first show. Um, it was booked, and then he got the call uh, that uh, that Rob Halford needed a new guitar player from uh, I think it was uh, Fight, right? Yeah, well, at the time I think it was two, two. Yeah, yeah I, I believe. And um, and what? Uh, and they lost the guitar player. They lost uh, John Five. He went to Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Right. So um, so basically they were looking for someone to to fill his shoes, and um, 
and being that Derek was on shrapnel and he was known in the, the shred world, you know, um, I think they, you know, they call they contacted him and, and he flew out and, um, and he, uh, he met Ray Riandu. Um, and Ray is as, as brilliant as Derek is on guitar. Ray is equally as brilliant on, on, on bass. bass yeah. yeah. And so, um, I mean, phenomenal, like bass player, um, best bass player I've ever seen live. Definitely. Um, you know, ever been in their presence and watched them play and heard them play. And so, um, so Derek came back excited because he, he met this guy, you know, that, uh, in working with Rob Halford, he was like, he was like, Hey, he, he really loved, uh, you know, he loved, uh, double out spool and he, he really loved so long to hoodwinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that tune, which was kind of a, it was really different than the other songs on the on the uh, Double Out Spool album. It was uh, it was um, a little more, um, I guess, uh, melodic, uh, emotive, uh, kind of. You know, it was a little little lighter than some of the other songs. The other yeah. songs were a little heavier. Um, and uh, he was like, "I love this." He's like, I, "We should start a band that's just like all this super really melodic rock," and. Um, and Derek came back and said they they had they actually wrote some stuff while they were out there. And Derek came back and he was super excited. And he was like, "Hey, we're gonna start a new band." And I was like, "What?" And and I, you know, I was really disappointed because my first show ever in the world was was booked and then it got canceled because <laughs> so I still hadn't hit a stage, you know, and um, and so it we it just started we started Derek uh, did primarily wrote the the music. And then um, he would come to me and say, "Hey, let's let's sit down and let's write some lyrics." And so um, I'll, he and I did a lot of the. You know, there are some songs where um, he wrote. There are a couple songs he wrote all the lyrics, um, mm-hmm. and then and then there were other songs where most of the lyrics I wrote. But I mean, we we collaborated on all the all the lyrics for the most part. So so we just started doing that, and uh, we put this one song. Um, we put it on GarageBand. I think it was at the time. I think it was GarageBand. I might be wrong, but it was early on. It was like a music competition thing, yeah, and, and you yeah. know, and everybody rate your music. And I mean, this was late '90s, and so um, well, the weird thing, man, is labels started reaching out to us. Like, you know, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, um. I think we we had one reach out and Derek was told them I might I might be wrong about this but I think Derek told them oh, we didn't have a drummer at the time uh, for the band um, and Ray was Ray was going to be the bass player and uh, and and then what we figured out is that well Ray lives in Phoenix and how are we going to rehearse how are we going to do anything and that's when Derek said you know what I'm going to call Brian and that's that's how Brian got okay. pulled in so but we you know what ended up happening was uh, I think he told them, Hey, we don't have a drummer right now. And I think they were like, click, you know, you don't tell a label you're not ready, Yeah, you know? And so we learned a lesson there. And, um, and then I, I don't even remember what label that was. Then Geffen reached out and they were interested in the song, um, dustbin parade. And, uh, that was the one that really was getting everyone's attention. And so, um, what happened was uh, we had to throw together. We had to get a drummer. We they wanted to do showcases, so we were just like, "Yeah, we we're ready to go." You know, we weren't, yeah. and we had to we had to get get a drummer, get get everyone rehearsed up, get Brian playing, you know, in there on bass, and um, and in the meantime, we had sent our uh, 
we sent our like a demo off to uh to Paul Nugent and um you know Paul had gotten he worked with the Nixons yeah. uh, got them signed uh Deep Blue something he's the the manager for Blue October um and you know he was working at the time he was working with Sugar Bomb um and so we uh we sent it off to him just to you know we're just trying to stir something up you know and um we get a call and uh from from him and he's like hey uh i i you know i want to i want to meet with you guys and talk and so we went and talked to paul and uh he like one of the first things he said he's like look i have to apologize and uh he said um I threw, you know, your demo came through and it was just, it was unsolicited. I just threw it in the trash. And he said, luckily my secretary uh, came through or grabbed that stuff out and she listened to it. And then she came back to me and put that back on my desk and said, I think you need to listen to this. And he said, so he's like, that's how I heard it because you know, it was, it was someone else, someone else. It was so good that they brought it back to me and said, you have to listen. And so, so we started talking to him and we got a showcase set up and and the, here's the crazy thing is that like we did a, you know, we did a showcase for Geffen records at the Viper room in LA. And, um, I don't, I think it might've been my third show I'd ever played in my life. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's like, uh, growing up with Derek, like he early on, he had, some notoriety. He auditioned for Armored Saint. He went out and did the Rob Albert stuff. You, this being your technically your first band, you know, how did it feel from being in your first band to immediately being thrown into um, showcases and, and such for inter, for for major labels? Because I remember that time yeah. very well. I yeah. remember the phone calls and 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 what was going on. I didn't know that that was your first band technically, but yeah, it was, how did it feel for you? Uh, well, was it overwhelming? I kind of, I, I was like, Oh, is this how it is? No, I mean, I, I knew, you know, I'd heard this, I, I, you know, I knew the struggles of artists and I knew I was really lucky, you know, and it, and it, but, and at the same time, um, it was just a, Hey, when, when we, when that was booked, when that showcase for Geffen was, it's like sink or swim. Yeah. Like you, you just gotta, you have to do this. You're like you're, you're going to have to step up no matter how, um, how ready you feel you are, you're going to have to work yeah. and, and make sure that you, um, you're ready for it. So, so Paul, um, threw together, like he, he, he's the one who told us, he's like, you can't go do, that can't be your first show. Like, because it was gonna be. Yeah. And he threw like a couple of shows together. Like, uh, I think we played with like Sugar Bomb to get you uh, some stage, to get us experience. some stage experience. And, and then he invited like all his bands and all. And so, and, and it was, you know, he had bands on the stage that were already known. And so we were just kind of thrown in there. And, um, and it was mainly, you know, musicians who were at like the first couple of gigs. And, um, and we, we just befriended Sugar Bomb. Uh, and, and we played with them a lot and the musicians seemed to just love it, you know? So, so that was kind of how immediately we were just like thrown into it and we were just kind of making it happen. Well, before reaching out to you, I don't mean to interrupt. That's okay. I re-listened to the Star of Zagora Mm -hmm. CD and 
that album still holds up to I, this day. It's a, it's a strong album. Like I, I think I, so. I, I think, remember hearing it when it was done and thinking like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever heard and just listening to it the other day and thinking like... Still relevant. Yeah. 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 It's better It's better than half the shit on the radio. Yeah. In my opinion. That's my opinion. Oh, I, I, I appreciate that and I agree. I mean, it's, it was early 2000s, you know, yeah. but I think it's still relevant. It still holds up. It's it's absolutely beautiful music. Um. You know, and and that was the thing. Like um, that, the first song I ever wrote, it's on that album. It's the last song, "Starlit Moon." That's okay. the very first song that I ever. I I, I came up with the. Uh, I kind of came up with the 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 melody and the and and wrote the lyrics and I put it from from front to finish and I brought it to Derek and I said, "Hey," and you know, and then we developed it together. Yeah. It was just you know, it was just the the basic idea, and um, and there was another one on there that was uh, the I I kind of put together the basic idea and then uh, had some of it and then went to Derek and that was uh, motionless. Um, that was, which a, is one of my favorite tracks on the, album. Oh really? Awesome. Yeah, motionless. Thank you. yeah. That was, that was like the second thing that I think that I yeah. kind of came up with and developed and then uh, a little bit of it on my own and then went to Derek and then mm-hmm. we, you know, we basically uh, developed it the rest of the way through. He came up with some parts. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, so going through all the, um, the showcases and with Stars Agora, how long did it last? How long did the band last? Well, um, I think we did that. Man, it was ninety nine. I, I, you know, like I said, I'm bad with years. But one thing I will say, um, we thought was they. One thing that was strange is when we were doing the showcase, we were doing it for for Geffen. It was Jordan Schur who was the president of Geffen and some other reps, and and he's the guy who basically brought uh, Limp Biscuit into Geffen and kind mm-hmm. of turned things around for Geffen with that band. And and then they kept saying, "Hey, uh, Jimmy's coming." Yeah, <laughs> and we were like, "Jimmy, we don't know who Jimmy is is," um, and, and it was like Jimmy Iovine. And I didn't know that name at the time. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, who's that? And they said, have you ever watched an award show? Like a music award show? And I was like, yeah, of course. And they said, listen for that name. How many people thank, thank that him. guy? Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, and so I was like, oh, okay. So, all right. And they were like, so he's he's going to be here. And uh, and we're waiting on him. It kept getting delayed. And we were just like, we were wanting to go. You know, it's like you have all this energy thinking you're about to play and it's like, hold on. And then it's hours later and it's like, maybe in a minute. And it's like, yeah. and so it just, by the time we actually played, we were, we were pretty tired because we waited for a long time, yeah. but he showed up and he listened to us. And, uh, and that guy said, and we, we, we were just like, we didn't know what he was going to say. Paul explained who he was to us. Our, uh, Paul yeah. was our acting manager at the time. And, uh, and then he, after we were through, he said, well, guys, he said that was the best the Viper Room has ever sounded. That's what he told us. Yeah, I remember that. And so I was, I didn't really understand in the moment, you know, because I didn't know exactly who he was, uh, you know, how uh, how immense, you know, that compliment was. Yeah. And um, and so, um, you know, we we basically we played uh, after that. Um, we we started we came back home we started playing out a lot um, we we got a development deal with Geffen based on that and um, and then uh, you know 
Derek started having some health issues. Um, won't go in all the, all the yeah. details of that, but um, he started having some health issues and, and, uh, and then the Geffen thing kind of fell apart, you know, and, um, and so, um, you know, we, I think Derek had worked really hard to, to heal up and get better. And then, uh, and then we started working really hard again. And then, uh, we got, uh, we were going to play Edgefest. So we played Edgefest. It was the man, it was back when Muse was new and yeah. Muse was on it, but I knew who they were and I was a fan of Muse. So <laughs> I was like, I was like, um, this is going to be cool. And so we did Edgefest and unfortunately Muse didn't play because, uh, um, I think, uh, Bellamy or somebody, uh, was somebody in the band broke their hand or something like that. I can't remember or hurt their hand so that they weren't there, but, but still that's a, you know, Edgefest was a big deal yeah, locally. And so we, um, we, we played it and then Derek started feeling bad again. His health started, you know, uh, going downhill again. And he just basically said, Hey, I, and while he was, while he wasn't feeling well and we were kind of, we were on a hiatus, I, I, I guess I could say we, I was riding. I was like, I, and I, I've developed after working, you know, yeah. doing this with Derek, I developed, a, a, you know, writing skills. Um, and I, I was, uh, so I was writing some songs that we could potentially utilize for that band and Derek could sing. And, um, and then Derek said, Hey, like, uh, I got to get a handle on what's happening to me, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, in my health. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take a step back and, uh, really focus on that. And I mean, it was, it was pretty devastating, you know, yeah. uh, for, for me. And I think also for Brian, but I mean, I understand, you know, why I did it yeah. and what he was going through. He didn't, he didn't know, you know, if it was life threatening or what yeah, he, I it, it was, it was completely it's unknown. All confusing. Yeah. It was very time, confusing, yeah. completely unknown. So, so I was like, okay, man. And so I went to Brian, who again is a guitar player who was playing bass though. And, uh, he's, he's a bass player too now, but he, you know, he, de he developed his bass skills and, uh, and, um, stars Agora. And I went to Brian and I said, Hey, uh, like, dude, I, I don't know what else to do with myself. <laughs> like, I, you know, uh, this is really all I know now. And it's all, man, I love it. And, yeah. uh, and so I don't want to, um, uh, I don't want to try to do something else. I want to do this. This yeah. is what I want to do. And I said, I wrote these songs for, uh, for, the, for stars Agora. Um, why don't you and I, you know, if you want, I mean, if you want to come along for the ride, why don't we, we start doing it ourselves and, um, and put a band together. And I, I said, I can sing. I mean, I was singing backups in, uh, in stars Agora, you know, and playing guitar, but, uh, I said, and I never fronted a band you yeah. know? and I said, but I'll, I can do it. And so, uh, Brian's like, yeah, man, these, he liked the, the songs. He's like, these are good songs. Let's do it. And so, um, uh, I think that was in around 2005 or so, 2004, 2005. So I think that, I think that stars Agora just had like a, a run from like late nineties to 2004, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong on the dates, um, but so, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of how it, we fell into starting to, I was writing and it was kind of, you know, starting to do what, what, I, you know, and, and, it, and of course it was influenced yeah. by Stars Gore. It still had 
um, still had some of the same elements and, 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 you know, cause that's what I loved, you know, uh, that was the music I loved. So, um, you know, stars of gore was a lot more spacey and, uh, uh, spacey alternative I'd say. And then, um, I was going for with, with what I was writing more of a, like a 60 psychedelic seventies glam yeah. kind of thing. Um, and uh, the first songs were very much, uh, very kind of glammy. Like uh, there's a Divine, uh, another song, Venus de Vertigo. Um, and these songs have never even officially been released on an album. Um, they're out there. You can get them online. But uh, uh, like uh, we never put them on, a, on an official album. Uh, let's see. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, like Every Day Forever. And then we, you know, then we wrote a song called Bright Star Hope and, um, and we recorded it. And then I was like, all right, that was kind of the time when I knew when Bright Star Hope was finished, it was like, we've got something here. This is like, this is cool. It's, it's like, it's, it's got a little bit of the Beatles in it, it has a little bit of Zeppelin. It's like, and, but as our own thing, you know, yeah. we just took all our influences and, and kind of did our own thing. So, so uh, Marquee of Vaudeville was your second band. I, I'm, I'm, I double really? Spool was was really the first band, but Stars yeah. of Gore, you had all this attention with. So Marquee of Vaudeville was really your officially your second band. Yeah, honestly, what what ended up happening was, um, you know, Double Hot Spool. I never, I never really performed live with that. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I rehearsed and we we wrote yeah. some stuff, but it it ended up uh, melding into. Uh, Stars Agora, and then it was Stars Agora, and then we, when Brian and I started this this other thing, this '60s psychedelic '70s glam kind of band, yeah. it, we call ourselves Wonderful, um, F O O L, and we we ran with that for a little while, and uh, and it wasn't until you know we had we had this certain lineup, and then we decided uh, grab some water. We decided to. Um, we, we were get, getting some new members and then we were getting the new members. We brought in, um, uh, Phil, uh, Philip Helms from, uh, he was the drummer for the vanished. Yeah. Uh, he was, a you know, the founding member of Marquis, you know, when the official Marquis of Vaville band, we, um, we, we brought them in and we, so we're like, all right, we've got these songs. We're going to do something different. I think the reason we decided to change kind of the, the name and the, the image and everything is because, um, I, I put together this song. I wrote the the basics of this song called "An Ordinary Day," and it's got uh, it really has this kind of old world feel to it. It's kind of creepy and dark and dark yet playful. Yeah. Um. You know, much in the, the like much like the work of Tim Burton or, or Danny Elfman. You know, and it, it uh, and so um, it it was uh, it was really cool. And I was like, I I, I really like that. I really like the, the, how this turned out and I want to write a little more, uh, you know, like this. And so that was what, um, uh, that's what ended up happening. We had new members. We, we had this new kind of, uh, direction as far as the music was going. Yeah. A new and, vibe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, and I already, you know, I, I grew up in Corsicana listening to the cure in my room, re- reading the crow graphic novel, <laughs> you know? So I was kind of, I was, I was as goth as you could be in a small town yeah. in Corsicana, but uh, so so you know um, th- that's a bit of who we are, you know, dark yet playful. So yeah. it was like it just started coming out in the music, and um, I think uh, it was 
around that time, uh, we, we, you know, we were trying to come up with, you know, I kind of, I dress a little bit like uh, Victorian yeah. you know, when I go out and stuff. And so, uh, and Phil did too. He, it was like, that was kind of his, his vibe. And it was like, what well, we should all just, let's just dress the way we dress, yeah. you know, we'll bring it into the band. And I think what, what we decided on, we were trying to come up with a name and that, and what ultimately did it and made us, uh, and, and set the bar so high yeah. with what we do, uh, as far as, uh, as far as the, the way we look, the, the music we play, the way the merch looks, the, the, you know, what everything was, we, you know, the shows we put on the really elaborate shows, yeah. we, we were throwing out names and I was like, what about Marquis of vaudeville? And, um, and everybody, we, we sat on it for a little while, and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, we like that. I was like, well, do we want to do the market? Nah, there's too many bands with the in front of the names. It's just Marquis of Vaudeville. And so I, I told everyone, I said, all right, if we name our band this, then we cannot get up on stage in jeans and T-shirts. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> like you can't, you can't have this name and not uh, live up to that name in every way. Yeah. And I think when and I and that I have never turned back on that. It is everything we've done. Like I, I you know, like I said, no, uh, yeah, like it, watching your band's progression. Like the, the songs are really cool, but your stage show is it's almost just has to be as over the top as the music, right? And it's always a production. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so th- that was the thing is I was like, you you guys understand if we choose <laughs> this name and everyone agreed, so everyone said, all right. We're going. We're going to go with that. And I was like, "All right, if we're going to do that, then why don't and st- if we're Marquis of Vaudeville, then why don't uh, our, our first show we play as this band? Why don't we do an event? We, it's not. It's not a show. Let's do an experience. Let's uh, let's get a lot of variety acts that would have been true to Vaudeville. And I don't know how many people out there know what Vaudeville is, but yeah. uh, they've probably heard the name. But Vaudeville is before TV, before radio. Yeah. Um, you would either, for entertainment, you either went to the circus or the sideshow or you went to uh, the symphony or you went to the ballet or you went to the theater, right? Yeah. Well, Vaudeville was all of it. You know, it, it was basically uh, this circuit that uh, these people would get on the stage uh, back in the last turn of the century. Like uh, they would uh, they would get on the stage and they would they would basically there would be magic. There would be comedy. There would be music. There would be dance. It was just everything, a variety. And so that's what Marquis of Vaudeville meant to us, a variety of the extravagant. Yeah. And we thought that was that was uh, that kind of said something about the music because the music. Uh, is different, you know. It's it has its influences, but you know, a lot of people when they they hear the music and they talk to us about it, they're like, I I don't know. I mean, there you know, some bands kind of come to mind, but I, I just think it's it's yeah, pretty there's no unique. No way to kind of pinpoint, right? Where, and so it's your own thing, really. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so I was like, all right, well, if that's 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 what the name means. This is then let's do that on the stage. Let's put a let's put a magician on the stage with us. Let's, you know, uh, we'll we'll have like a, th- a theater troupe do some crazy cool like vampire story or something. Yeah. And we just we and so that's what we we went to um, Phil from the when being in the Vanish had a really good uh, relationship with uh, with Curtain Club and uh, and Doug uh, at the Curtain Club and so we went to them and he said, hey, we want to do this uh, this kind of thing. 
and we we want to we want to do it for our first show, and and uh, and Doug was like, and we were just gonna do it. We just wanted it to be all the variety acts and then us play. Yeah, no opening. No, act. no opening act. No bands. You know, and uh, and Doug was like, ah, that's not the way things work. You got to have other bands. You know, you I, I book the bands. You know, if you want to, I'll give you some time and you can have that stuff happen. Yeah. But like, or or we can put it in between the bands. And we're like, okay. And so we did our first show um, with all that in mind. And it brought 250 people. First show we ever played. Yeah. And uh, and I think Doug raised an eyebrow and said, "Hey, like something's going on here. You know, like that's that's interesting for a yeah. band to never have played before, and they brought 250 people to this thing. And so we're like, hey, we want to do another one. So we kept we kept doing them, and that's what we did. These elaborate events where we would we would decorate the stage and we decorate the venue, and then and each one of them got more and more elaborate. And we'd have all these crazy acts on stage. We had a magician on stage with like an electric chair. <laughs> like I mean, you know. So as you, as you did them, did did they become more and more like give you more and more freedom to do these shows? And that and, and that's kind of where I was. I was yeah. that's where I was going. Is like. Uh, I was like, I, we went to the next and we're like, hey, Doug, like, you know, no, the other bands really didn't bring any people to, to the first show. It was, we brought the people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, we want to do another one, but like, can we do, he's like, nah, you got to have bands. You got to have, you know, it's, it's done this way. And then. That's um, the way it's always been done. That's always been done. That's the way we're yeah. going to do it. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so he, so we did an, another event, a hundred more people, 350 people. And he's like whoa now he's raising both eyebrows you know eyes wide like what's going on here so so then we went to him we wanted to do another event i think we did i think we did two or three before uh there before we wanted to do another i mean we were playing other little shows here and there but but uh we 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 told him we want to do another event and he's like, I have this date. It was like January. And I was like, and it was the only time nothing else was going on. We really looked to see what uh, what other events and crazy things were going on because we were going to go all out with this. And uh, and we went to him and said, uh, we want to do another event. And what do you have that, you know, and we said it, it, it needs to be on one of these dates because there's absolutely nothing happening anywhere in the area on these dates. And, and it needs to be like a Saturday because we're, there's going to be a lot of setup, yeah. you know, we're going to have to, a lot of production. And, and he's like, uh, he's like, you guys do whatever the hell you want. I don't, if you want other bands, I don't care <laughs> at that point. He's, he basically just said, you book it. You, he's like, you just rent the venue. He kept telling us you rent the venue and you do whatever you want to do. I'll have staff here. And we're like, ah, we're not ready to do that, man. We were, we were just like, well, I don't think we're ready. And then he, um, and then we started pre-sales like really early. And, um, and he called Phil, he called our drummer Phil and he was like, Hey, what are you guys doing? And Phil's like, what? He's like, what are you doing? to promote the show. And Phil said, uh, you know, we're out there hitting the, we're doing everything you normally do. We're hitting the streets. We made a little video that we, we produced like a, uh, like a, just a teaser video for the event. And that's out there. And he's like, you're going to want to rent the venue. And he, and Phil's like, ah, nah, nah, we're not really. He's like, listen to me. You're going to want to rent the venue. And he said, and you're going to want both sides. And, and so he wanted to do, you know, liquid lounge, liquid lounge upstairs and downstairs and curtain club 
upstairs and downstairs. And we're like, there's no way. But he was like, you want to do that? Because he said at that point, it was months away and we had already like pre-sold like 250 tickets. And, uh, and he said, he's like, national acts don't do that. He's like, I, I, I can't get people to buy tickets in advance. I, that's why I'm asking you what you're doing. Yeah. And he's like, we just, you know, we, we, and you know, the idea was create a sense of intrigue and mystery around the events, you know, not exactly don't tell them what, what exactly is going to be there, but just, I would always write like this kind of carnival Barker, yeah. like uh, introduction for all the acts and the way it was all written. And, and that's one thing I pride myself on is my actual, not just composing music and writing music, but writing. Yeah. And so I would always write this create and come up with this idea of how we present it. And the way we presented it was in a mysterious manner to make people think, what is this? I, yeah. I want to know what this is. I want to go. And so, um, that was what we did. And man, I didn't know what to expect. We were shooting, you know, I said, we did two fifty, we did three fifty, and, and like, and you know, and Doug was finally like, you don't need any other bands. You don't need, we just rent the venue. Like you're going to need both sides. And that's all we knew. And we knew that to break even for everything, I think we had to have like 400 people. Uh, I think, you know, with, with what we were paying out, cause we always pay the other acts, you know, we, yeah. it's, you know, and we had to, we had to pay for all the, so this one was a, a wonderland, like a twisted wonderland themed event called a clockwork wonderland. And we, uh, we literally got decor to decorate both sides upstairs and downstairs of that. I mean, and, and, you know, not just going out like we don't have all the money in the world, just but yeah. frugally, like and and figured out these ways to like get uh, artists to create it or friends to help. You know, and so, um, so I think the day we put that thing, the the Wonderland event, Clockwork Wonderland, together, I think we had like thirty volunteers like to help make it happen. Yeah, um, and you only had that day to get it ready. We only had that day. And I think we, I think they let us in the venue at like 7am or 8am, something like that. And literally I was up on a ladder putting like the last thing up as they were letting people in the door at like 8pm. I think, I think it started at eight and ended at midnight. And so we had to feel, you know, that much ourselves. And so, but I mean, dude, we build a, when you walked in, first of all, I'll, I'll say this. I, we were shooting for 400 people. And when we got to the venue, there were people at that side door. They were, uh, I mean, when I, when I went out at one point, I had to go to the car and get something. Yeah. And, and, and when I walked out of the, the venue, there were, uh, there was a line wrapped down the block past where galaxy was yeah. down. It just went around the block, like just of people waiting to get in there. And I was like, holy shit, like, what have, what have we done here? <laughs> like, cause we already pre-sold, you know, the hundreds of tickets. I was like, how many people is this? And do, did they pre-sell or are they just, you know, going to try to get in at the door? And it was just, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and then, um, they, then they started letting people in around, I think it was at eight. Um, they're like, we can't hold them back anymore. We've got to let them in. And, um, and we had built like the, the, you know, that walkway and curtain club, yeah. right. And you walk in that side door, we made that a rabbit hole. We put all this builder's paper up and put yeah. like, uh, we had low lying fog. So we made it like, you're going down the rabbit hole and the whole thing, uh, the entire venue was decorated. We had, 
um, we had um, like these models who were uh, dressed as like mechanical dolls who would walk around and they would stop and they would just stand there for a long time. And then every now and again, they would move. Yeah. And so we just had all these things. We had roaming characters. Um, we had, we had, a you know, anyone, we had all the characters from Wonderland. We had uh, friends and actors portraying those characters. Like, you know, the, um, uh, the staircase to go upstairs to, yeah. it was like on the wall above you, just, uh, all these, just all these various clocks and like one clocks melting. And then, uh, yeah, I think it. I think there was actually. I think it was a sign in front of you that said you've left time behind. And then when you turn around and look, and then there, all the clocks were on that wall behind you as you were going up the stairs. So there was like all this weird, and we made it kind of this crazy maze. And then, you know, dude, we did that event. We had um, we had some people filming it, and that's what turned into the live footage of our music video, Utopian Playland. Okay. That's won some awards. Um, that was. Uh, that was from from the Clockwork Wonderland show, and you can see how packed Curtain Club is. Just yeah. a sea of people holding all these giant flowers, you know, um, amazing. Um, and I think, man, let's just say the official number was capacity, which was like six, I think, six yeah. to six fifty. Dude, it was. That it was the official number. That was the official yeah. number. It was. I mean that the 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 entire both sides were packed head to toe, and I mean to get anywhere, you were just shoulder to shoulder yeah. trying to get through. Yeah. It was I I was like, wow, this is all we got to do now is is just put on this amazing show, and and that's going to be it, you know. And we put it on, and then we played at the end, and then at the end of the night, people were literally crying. They were crying because they didn't want the night to end. They were, everyone was hugging each other. And, and, and I, I just, it was, it was so amazing to see the reaction of, uh, of the, of the people that attended. And, uh, and then I've never in my life gotten, gotten so many, um, messages about how amazing the event was hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of, they've never experienced anything like that. They'd never seen a show like that they did you know the music with the with everything we did the everything was just so overwhelming for a lot of people and i mean a lot of those people are still our fans today because mm-hmm. you know that that event and then we just did that from there we did gadgets and gobstoppers the twisted world of wonka it was always our twisted version of whatever it was that something, we yeah. wanted to do yeah. yeah so so you guys have done uh other than the, your shows and your your music you guys have done some pretty cool things like your music has been featured in shows and so forth. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of, uh, music in television and film. Yeah. We have our own IMDB, um, that you can go online and, and see what all we've been in. But some of the ones that we're really proud of are, uh, Dexter, uh, Dexter. We're in season seven, episode nine, or I might be getting that backwards, but the the name of the episode is Helter Skelter, mm-hmm. and it's an interesting uh, placement of our music in that that show because it's like a it's a fight scene, a strip club scene, and a did you fuck my girl scene all rolled into one. Yeah, like 
And so it was really weird um, usage of our music, but it worked. Uh, the the music supervisor knew what he was doing. I yeah. I thought I was like, this is going to be odd, and then no, it worked. He made yeah. it. He made it work. So so yeah. And then we've had several episodes of Charmed. Um, we've had placements in. Um, there's a this um, feature film called uh, Trust Me that uh, that we really like. That uh, our song Core of Night was in. And I mean, you name it, dude. We've had. Um, like sometimes there's limited licensing for television shows. And so the, they'll get licensing for music for a little while. And then later they have to get new music. If the show's still on the air or whatever, yeah. like syndicated reruns and stuff they may. And so we've been placed in a lot of stuff like, like Melrose place. Like I, I have no idea what episode or where, but we're, our music's in Melrose place, yeah. wherever it plays. Um, and then, uh, like, they did a new 90210 at some point, and our music was in that. That's um, cool. You know, and a lot of a lot of different, uh, like, um, independent films and uh, and stuff like that. So, uh, Brian and I, one of the one of the things that we worked on, we even composed a lot of the music. We composed the music for the the actual um, piece, and it was the this thing called uh, the Mechanical Grave, and it was a kind of a pilot for a show that they were wanting to pitch. Um, uh, by director John Keyes, and yeah. John Keyes is uh, he works with a, a lot of a lot of different big names, um, and he, he's a great director. Uh, but um, we we composed all the music for that for the Mechanical Grave, and then we utilized a lot of that music as uh, orchestral music, kind of in the vein of Danny Elfman. So we utilized a lot of that on our first album as segues. Okay, yeah. So yeah. all those all those uh, little orchestral segues, those were all actually for like a pilot kind of short film thing mm -hmm. uh, for a television show. So. Right on, man. And uh, we all know what happened last year in March when everything shut down. How did you guys handle that? Man, uh, were you working on anything at the time that had to come to a stop? Were you touring or? Yeah, we were on tour. What yeah. happened? Yeah, we were. Um, you know, it was March. Uh, we had planned this tour for March, and we uh, we had several big events out on the West Coast and on the way, and so we were. Uh, that's where we were. Um, we uh, we had played the first show, and things weren't bad yet. You know, and, and there wasn't um, there wasn't a panic yet. You know, there was still toilet paper at that point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think uh, we played that first show. It was amazing. It was at this uh, this thing called Wild Wild West Con uh, because we do a lot of not only do we play venue shows, but we do a lot of special events. We play a lot of pop culture conventions because um, you know, let's be honest, venues don't pay a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, but those things. Uh, because we have, uh, we are what we are, and we built kind of this uh, niche uh, uh, market with with our music and and everything we do. Um, we can play those pop culture conventions, and um, and you know, it uh, it really fun. That, those have funded the band over okay. the years, you know. So, um, but uh, yeah, we were we played one called Wawa Westcon, and that was at the. Uh, old Tucson studios in, uh, out in, uh, Tucson. And it was, that's where they filmed some of, uh, tombstone okay. and a ton of Westerns over the years, but tombstone, yeah, you know, that's is, the one yeah, that right. That's the one, that's the one that matters. So yeah, they, the, like the church scene, uh, where the couple's getting married and then they come, the, they, yeah, the Cowboys yeah. come and yeah, uh, that was, uh, that's there. That church is there at the okay. studios. So, um, so we played there 
it was amazing, phenomenal. A ton of people uh, loved us, and then we were getting uh, we were we were getting on the road to head to the next stop. There were just whispers of what was going on at that point, you know, with with COVID, and then we were go. We're, our next stop was in California, so we we get on the road. We we get to California. All the news started hitting. Uh, you know, we, we you know we were there. We bought some tickets to go to do some things, like we were going to go to Universal, etc. Um, and the very next day after buying that, all of those things closed. The shows canceled. And, um, and we were, you know, we were scheduled to be out there for a while. I was like, well, what do we do? Like we, we it's, there's nowhere to go. And, and, and it was early. So we didn't even know, like they were talking about closing down state lines and, yeah. you know, and so we were like, can we get home? And so we kind of, you know, and we're, we're in, we were in a, like, a uh, just staying in this little apartment there. And it was like, well, um, everything was unknown, like no shows, like, you know, uh, one of, uh, one of the members, uh, mother sent us extra toilet paper. She was like, toilet paper's gone. And we're like, what? Cause we'd been driving and, you know, and so we'd been reading and stuff, but like, you know, when you're on the road, you, you, you you don't, you know, seeing things start like that, start happening. People start panicking, start grabbing everything and then you're driving, you know? So, um, so yeah, I mean, everything, everything closed down while we were on a, a, yeah. out on tour. So we ended up coming back home after playing one show that was, uh, you know, and then what we did, uh, in the, in the meantime is, um, I was working on, uh, some new music, uh, planning some, some new, uh, videos. Um, you know, the last two videos we did, uh, for we're all mad here and the enigma man have been, uh, immensely well-received. I mean, they have been selected and won accolades over 20 accolades all over the globe for, for, for those, those videos. And, and we did those videos ourselves. Um, you know, uh, Geneva and I directed them, um, and edited and, and we filmed them. We, you know, we, we had a, a little bit of help with some camera work, uh, from, uh, some friends, um, that, that do that for a living, uh, when we're playing live, you know, or when we're playing in the, in the videos, but for the most part, it was independently done, you know, uh, from the, uh, frontwards to backwards. And so, um, so we started planning as I was doing, like working on ideas for, for new videos. Um, because again, we've, we keep <laughs> Marquis of Vaville, that name, it, it haunts me. Like, I'm like, it can't, it has to be on the level. Everything you can never half-ass anything it, ever, ever. And I mean, and part of that, part of that came from, you know, working with Derek. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, it was one of the things he's like, we're, you know, we, we don't get on stage until we're near perfect. Yeah. You know? And, and that, that always stuck with me, you know? And I was like, all right. I mean, that's something that I can get behind, like yeah, yeah. Uh, striving to just be the absolute best that you could be in your craft and, and anything you do. Yeah. You and know? with any of his bands, uh, I never heard the, or, or whenever someone would say like, we have to go to practice, he would always say, we're going to go rehearse. Yeah. You and practice go, on your own. Yeah, you practice on your own. We yeah. rehearse with the band. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, yeah. and that's a lot of people, you know, 
people that claim to to do this and are the musicians and yeah. you know and or whatnot they they that's something that people don't understand yeah. a lot of people don't understand yeah. that you practice on your own and then it's time to rehearse you come in bring you know you come you bring prepared. your you're prepared you've prepared your part you don't let, come to rehearsal and learn the part no. so so yeah so a lot of a lot of preparation you know a lot of a lot of planning a lot of uh hard work a lot of dedication yeah and so um you know yeah i you know i'm grateful to have worked with him and and that be the his his mentality because it you know it instilled that in me and what i do now you know yeah, and your absolutely. band is cool, man. Like I've always loved your band. Thank you. Uh, I love you and Brian dearly. You know, Brian is quite possibly one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. You know, I've known you for we're all from the same town. Yeah, yeah, so, we're all from the same town. So yeah. to see all your success, man, it always makes me happy. Thanks, you know? man. Thank you. Yeah, I know you're always pushing this band, and you can see the the you know how hard you're pushing and brian as well like the both of you yeah but you know i when you would write those things that you were talking about earlier i got to read them and go like what the fuck is he talking about (laughs) (laughs) that's what i wanted but but it was all part of this um production yeah yeah. it's not a band it's a production yeah it was you know um it was just my vision, yeah. you know, for for what I wanted to see out of us, uh, because I, you know, and and when we bring people in, you know, you you lose members over the years. You know, we've been we've been a band, we've been this band since two thousand nine. Yeah, and so you know, people have come and gone, uh, but you know, I I always expect a lot of them because you know we've already built this and yeah. and 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 it wasn't built on just like coming in with some kind of lax attitude yeah. well i'm just going to come in and ride coattails and no yeah. i mean yeah. it's hard work and it, and it, anyone can do this if yeah. they if they work hard and they and they dedicate themselves to it um they can do it you know yeah. so yeah but it's, it does take dedication it's not yeah. given to you and and that being said what i said earlier like uh, i know that you and brian have always been the constant in this band mm-hmm. and uh I don't think it would be this band without the two of you. No. Well, yeah. I mean, definitely wouldn't have happened. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, Brian, Brian's taken a step back uh, from, from playing live. We still work with him. He rehearses with us, you know. He just won't go away. He just can't, can't get rid of that dude, man. I, I think I've known him since first, second grade, somewhere in there, and I just can't get rid of Brian. Yeah. I remember, I, I think – did I win a Chris star at his birthday party? If you know what that is, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I think is an old action figure. Uh, yeah. I, but um, yeah. So, you know, that was, that's what's funny is, you know, Brian started playing guitar and I, back when we were friends and, and I didn't, I still, I wasn't involved in music yeah. in any way, but I do remember one time I just singing, singing to myself yeah. and lo- loving music. Yeah. I remember I went over to Brian's and I can't remember what song, man. He held, he had the kiss albums like yeah. up around his room. Yeah. And, uh, and he was, Brian was playing, he he was playing something on guitar and I was just started singing. And, uh, and he was like, I remember Brian saying, Oh, you, you sing pretty good. We should start a band. <laughs> and we were like, you know, maybe, 13 i don't i don't know i think i met him when he was like 15 or 16 yeah yeah yeah. so and he he, was already a shredder when i met him like yeah he he was going into that at that point he wasn't shredding he was just like he (laughs) you know he was learning yeah so so yeah but and 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 the thing was is that brian and i 
we've always been friends, but we kind of, we, in high school, man, we didn't have any classes together yeah. at all. So we, we lost touch a little bit. I mean, if I see him, you know, if we'd see each other, he was like, Hey, I, you know, we always were friendly with each other. And, and, and I would get in the, like, I, he worked at the pizza place there locally and I would yeah. jump, I jump his truck. He's like, check out this demo. And it was him playing, you yeah, know, he'd let yeah, me hear it. Yeah. But like we just didn't see each other as much, you know. And he was hanging out with uh, with certain people, and I was hanging out with other people. And so, um, but it never, you know, even though he was off doing his thing, I was off doing my thing. It was never, you know, there was never a point where we weren't friends. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, I remember uh, when Derek told me when I started, you know, Brian went out to he went to uh, Hollywood, to Hollywood to uh, GIT, yeah, uh, for uh, guitar, and and during that time. I wasn't really communicating with Brian, not because we just lost touch, you know? And, and, uh, Derek told me, uh, I started hanging out with Derek while, you know, while, uh, Brian was gone and they had been, you know, yeah. uh, hanging out and playing guitar and stuff. And, uh, and he told me, he's like, yeah, I need to go out. I got to go out to, uh, get my friend, help him move back from LA. And he's like, uh, Brian Getty. I was like, Brian Getty. I was like, dude, that, I was like, I've grew up with Brian. I was like, Brian is one of my best friends in the world. Yeah. And uh, so it was really weird that like we both knew him, but like we didn't know that, yeah. you know, and so, and then he, you know, he, when he came back, it was like nothing ever changed, yeah. you know, and, and I would go, like I said, I'd go, they were in double at spool and I would go watch them, you know, every show I was there. When he came yeah. back, he came out to Denton to hang out with me. And uh, there was another guy that I worked with that went to GIT mm-hmm. and I wanted him to meet. Oh yeah. And this is a funny story. I, his, I, I can't remember the cat's name, but I introduced him and uh, that guy goes, oh, so you went to GIT and Brian goes, yeah. And he goes, what'd you take? And you know, what did you study? Yeah. And Brian goes, I studied mainly like jazz because I didn't do those dumb rock classes he goes what did you do and he goes i did the rock classes (laughs) the dumb rock classes (laughs) and brian just okay Uh, (laughs) it was great you know i think brian always said shit like that at the wrong time (laughs) right i I think but brian sometimes he'll say stuff at the right time too and there's uh this is a story that uh i wasn't there to witness this but uh derek told me about this and he said that when he was bringing uh when they were coming back brian was moving back from from hollywood uh, they were driving. They were freaking tired, man. And uh, and I think that uh, they were following Brian's mom and dad. Uh-huh. They, they were up ahead and in the truck, and they were trying to keep up. And they just wanted to get home. Yeah. But I think you know Brian and Derek stayed up, and you know they were they weren't well rested. And and I think uh, uh, what was it? Derek said he goes. Uh, Brian, Brian's like, man, I just want to go to sleep. You know, I, all I want in the world is to go to sleep right now. And Brian was driving, and Derek's, you know, and Derek's attitude. He was like, he's like "Man, I just want to blow up." <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, this is Derek's humor. You know, yeah. and uh, and Brian said, uh, he said, "Well, if I get my wish, you're gonna get yours." Because <laughs> Brian was driving, yeah. so yeah, it was Brian. Brian, uh, he's funny, man. He, yeah. he sometimes he does say the. Like I said, thing. man, I, I I love the three of you. Uh, the, you know, um, I've known you guys most of my life. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, thank you for doing this, man. I do appreciate your time. You're, you're um, welcome. Are we at the end? Is this over? Well, I got a, one more question. All right, it's what's ca- the, the the the? It's called "Is Breakfast Included?" And if it was included, what would you have? 
<laughs> well, I do have some spiders. I saw that in your in your uh, your art for the podcast. Oh. Yeah, there's like spiders <laughs> landing on your breakfast. Yeah, I uh, dude, I'd have scrambled eggs. That's it. Scrambled eggs. I, I'm I'm a pancake person, so yeah. I like pancakes. Nice. Uh, I like I'll, I'll eat some bacon. You know, it's a little bit of everything. A little little, little bit of the the classics, <laughs> I suppose. Um, and uh, it's a little different when we were in the UK when we were touring over there. The breakfast that was breakfast. A, that English breakfast yeah. was a little different from what I'm used to. But and it's everywhere. Yeah, you can't get anything but. I just got back. So. Yeah. Right. Right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, I loved it over there, man. Yeah, like, oh, man. I'm ready to go back. It was like, I I want to I want to tour over there more. It, well, they're ready for you, man. They want they want live music over there, and they're they're doing it. A lot of places are doing it the right way, safely. So, well, where can people find you guys? Social media, all that TikToks oh, and shit. I, I we're dude, we're on everything. We are we are the internet. We invented the internet. <laughs> fact we, it's all i mean we even have we even have a pinterest like <laughs> if anyone even knows what that is anymore i don't know i, I think that my, my i think i saw that you guys still have your myspace page too yeah we have myspace i mean i i don't know what's happening over tom. there I, yeah tom tom's probably i you know i don't i don't know we we've got a myspace i don't i don't think we manage it very much but so who knows what's happening but uh over there but yeah so if you go to movmusic.com, um, at, at movmusic.com, there's it 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 basically links, links off to, to all everything. of our social. Okay. Um, we've got a great website. Um, it's got all of our award-winning videos on there. I would encourage anyone to go check out the videos. Um, we're we're on Spotify. We're on all the streaming services, Pandora, um, and then also like iTunes, Amazon. You can get the music, or you can buy it uh we're we're on Bandcamp, uh or you can buy it direct from our website mm. which is great too um so yeah we're we're kind of all over the place um but that's where you can find us and um i think we're uh yeah we're gonna start shows are starting to pick up we got a couple of shows next uh right on, next month so that's good i'm 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 feeling hopeful about you know things turning around um it's been a been a hell of a year yeah so, well I have a feeling it's all going to come back. But yeah, thanks for sitting down with me, man. I Bernie, appreciate it. Thank you, man. Love thank you. you. It's I it's good you, to brother. see you, and and thanks for doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can talk Derek into doing this. I think I might be able to. I'll I'll talk to him. We'll see what we can do. All right, man. All right, Later. thanks, man. Later. All right, on Toby Lahan, the Marquis of Vaudeville. You can check them out at marquisofvaudeville.com. You can buy merch, check out their music, and see what they have going on. All right, guys. I'm done. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week.